0: don't wait for people to come up to you and, you know, choose you, right? So part of the failure resume and getting through this kind of positive psychology perspective is.
1: Hey everybody. It's Brian Eisenhower. Welcome to the show today. I'm really fired up and I'm fired up for a unique reason today. I have one of my longtime best friends in the whole world, who is so much smarter than I, who has agreed to help us all out today with some of the most high-level business concepts. These are coaching concepts. These are real estate concepts. These are leadership concepts. I and mean, it's Ryde Elati. Ryde, thanks for being on here today, man. Thank you, Brian. Good to be here. Yeah, now I, I gotta tell you about Rod because he won't, because he's humble, but he's the yin to my yang. Which means he's the brains. Cause a lot of you think that all of the systems that we put out there are things that I think up. And and I guess a very small percentage of them I do, but it's probably less than 1%. <laughs> the rest I borrow from smart people like Rod. And Rod has been a professor at University of North Carolina, Penn State University, University of Illinois, Chicago, the Heller College of Business at Roosevelt University. This guy is one of the authorities on business at the collegiate level and his concepts I lean on him heavily as an advisor to me in business uh, my my most difficult obstacles go to him and heck his wife is a is such a senior level business consultant I, he he goes to her um so we're, I I love getting into this circle at, the, at this level of knowledge Um, and, and I want to share that with you guys. And what I want him to share is a concept that I absolutely love. Um, and he and I have talked about this forever and it's something that he did craft. Like we're going to the source on something and he's used it and tested it. And it's something that has, um, that is in direct alignment with our coaching. And it's something that's kind of ingrained in our coaching systems but there's no way I can lay out this process. This is a process you should all use as leaders with your people because all leaders are coaches. All leaders are trying to help and grow their people and help them through obstacles, at least good leaders. And I think this is an amazing tool that you can take with you to immediately add value with the people that you care about in your business, in your career, in your life, in your personal relationships. It's a way to truly help people rise them up and motivate them. And his tool of all things is called the Failure Resume. Eisenhower Coaching's custom training suite is your company's own custom-branded training website loaded with Eisenhower Coaching's powerful training courses for real estate agents, teams, and brokerages. With video lessons, audio lessons, downloadable course workbooks, scripts, tools, and systems. With quizzes and action steps for accountability and implementation. Managers can also monitor agent performance with detailed reporting. Agents can earn certificates and degree designations abbreviated after their name in signature lines, online profiles, and marketing. Easily create your own customized courses for local topics like file compliance, MLS systems, contracts and disclosures, CRM training, and new agent orientation. Use ICC's course training materials in your own office training rooms with our downloadable and printable student workbooks, Instructors manuals, instructional training videos for each class lesson. The custom training suite is your own custom branded training system that is changing the game for real estate teams and companies everywhere. Rod, I want you to explain the failure resume and how these guys are going to be able to
0: use it. Well, failure resume is kind of the first step in a process to reach your full potential. And what we try to do is we try to take the barriers that keep you from reaching your full potential. And what we, what I have found out over the last 20 years is that people self-handicap and we don't know why they self-handicap. And we're trying to figure out why they make decisions that are not in their best interest. And as you kind of go through the process of okay, why aren't you reaching your full potential? Why are you self-handicapping? You know, why are you making decisions that hurt yourself? And you know, these are bad decisions. Why? So you have to come and say, okay, well, there's something there. There's something underneath all of this that we need to talk about. And if you don't face those emotions, they will continue to limit you. And as you stay limited, you're like, I'm a lot more talented than this. I'm a lot more gifted than this. I'm a lot more like people tell me that I can accomplish more, and I need to make better decisions. And so you start thinking, okay, well, we can't just ignore that or put a Band-Aid on it. We need to get to what's really going on. And the failure resume is a thorough process of maybe hearing what like, your mom said to you or your dad said to you or your brother or sister said to you that has stuck with you and you now have this belief about yourself, or you had this experience with a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and now you have a belief about yourself and something didn't go well. And, you know, you didn't do well in this one math class or you didn't do well in this one accounting class. And now you have a belief about yourself. Right. And if you go through the failure resume and you, and you step-by-step, realize that you may have given up too quickly you may have misinterpreted the experience or the lesson that needed to be learned or you may have just withdrawn from whatever it is right and you're like I'm never going to do that again right so all of these things can be discussed using the failure resume. And if you don't get the opportunity to discuss it, uh, that's that's why you're indecisive. That's why you're unable to make real decisions. That's why you're self-handicapping. That's why all of these things. And so if we can get to that point where we start saying, I can do more, and I first need to think about the emotions that I'm holding on to then because there's a lot of emotions there, right? And the failure resume allows us to express those emotions.
1: Can I I mean that is that is so cool because I know a lot of people are freaked out here because, well, first of all, I love how the fact that you're basically saying they're learning the long the, the wrong lessons from their failures. They're yeah. they're actually every time they learn the wrong lesson, they actually their beliefs and their confidence is limited and they start narrowing their paths of options in life as they shut this out and shut that out or shut this opportunity out or shut this down. And that's a very, I mean, that's a lot of negativity right there. I mean, failure starts to get viewed negatively as opposed to a stepping stone for moving forward. The whole concept of John Maxwell's failing forward is the idea we're supposed to grow and learn from those failures, which is so, and, and your solution is what I love. Cause I mean, Mm -hmm. you're talking about doing something, you know, in, 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 in the practicing business world is down and dirty and scary. I'm going to actually tap into their emotions. I mean, that actually can sound at first blush to unprofessional and dangerous and delicate. Like I'm going to tap in to someone's emotions and, and possibly, and maybe if I'm successful, generate an emotional response and That is what a true leader, as opposed to just a manager, knows how to do. A true leader can get in there, know how to tap into emotions. And one thing a lot of the people who have been with me for decades now know, Rad, and I'm going to clarify this, I've always, I've, there, there's, a, uh, there's a conversation that is referred to as the mineral rights conversation. And it's, again, like everything else, it's not my conversation. It's from a book called Fierce Conversations, authored by Susan Scott. And, and I know you know the book and that, and the mineral rights conversation, which there's a chapter dedicated, is a very delicate process of how to ask a series of questions to unearth mm. this emotional response. I love it. The concept is beautiful. But boy oh boy, you better be good at it because you know, it can also be a very delicate high-wire tap dance type of thing. Mm. And you have to really hold your composure as the leader that is actually, you know, guiding someone down that conversation path. But the what I love about the failure resume is you almost let the tool do the work for yeah. you. So they author it. Therefore, they own the outcome a lot more. All you did is give them the tool. So the animosity or the adversarial relationship between you and them is minimized and mitigated tremendously because of the failure. And that's what lit me up. I'm like, oh my gosh, even I can do this. You know, I don't need to be Susan Scott or someone trained by Susan Scott to walk someone down this path, which oftentimes is across hot coals and, you know, balance beam and all that kind of stuff. So I just freaking love it. And and I love the concept. Um, And I think it's very important that if we're encouraging our people to do new things and get uncomfortable, that they embrace the concept of moving towards failure. And at worst, it's growth. And at the very worst, if you do fail, you get growth from it. And I know that's how you believe. And that's why you created this. Yeah. As a tool to get your students, your people to grow. So why don't you explain what the failure resume looks like? And I think the first thing you already did, you talked about capturing your failures. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I, I, I think just to go back a little bit. Sure. It's a self-assessment tool, which means that you don't have to be an expert in emotions as a leader. You can just hand over the tool and let the person select the situations and the stories and let them reflect on it themselves, which really means that you don't have to be an expert at all. And you don't have to even have them give you their failure resume you could say do the failure resume and if you want to share it share it if you don't want to share it that's also fine but let's discuss some of those emotions and feelings and some of the things that you came up with Um, or you can share it with a family member or spouse or somebody a close friend and have them kind of reflect on it with you because they have maybe a longer history so don't feel like it has to be this kind of you know, this power difference where you have like a leader and a, you know, that leader employee relationship or, or, um, you know, direct um, report relationship. The beauty of this is that they can take what they want from it and they can go as deep as they want, or they don't go as deep. The other thing they can do is they can just be so scared of it. That they don't even complete the failure resume, but that fear alone is an aha moment, is a realization where you can ask them for three months, have you done your failure resume? Or, you know, I was I was coaching a CEO um, and they said uh they said they didn't talk to me for three months after I gave them the failure resume because it was so terrifying for them uh that all says that there's some emotion there right and but i don't have to delve into it it's just them experiencing just the idea of a failure resume has an impact
1: i think it's so crucial to to say that too because so often as a leader we're gonna that we're trying to work with someone help them expand and grow and get uncomfortable so they can rise up to new levels and they're coming with these limiting beliefs that they've been putting up because they haven't been failing forward. Things like I just don't have time or I only want to mm-hmm. do what I get paid for. or And, and the, these aren't their true feelings. These are just objections because they don't want to go where you're taking them. They don't want to fail, right? Or that's not the type of person I am. I'm not that, you know what I mean? And, and all of these different, you know, we call them negative attitudes. Yeah. yeah. You know, If you just want to kind of put them in a box and categorize them that way and and make yourself feel good as a leader because they can't be helped, that's fine. But this might be the wrong podcast for you because successful leaders know not to quit either. Because we can do, I mean, that's our failure as leaders, right? I mean, don't we need to be doing a failure resume if we're asking them to? Because as leaders, we can fail if we're unwilling to get uncomfortable and go there with our people. And that's why you, that's why you coach leaders. That's why you, you know, you raise leaders, you grow leaders, you know, Um, you know, and that I think is very important for them to understand is that we is, we got to be very careful assessing other people's potential.
0: Hmm.
1: Because it it really is a cop out on our, on our own leadership if we just start assessing whether they can do it or not, without mm-hmm. first trying to get down to the core roots as to why they're limiting themselves. And that's a scary place to go into people's emotions. You know, I you know, I, I pity the people that have to go deep into mine. You know, it's but they do <laughs> those brave souls. And <laughs> poor Rod's been one of those guys before, too. He gets it. The uh <laughs> So first step before we digress too much, capturing your failures. That's the first start. Okay. So why don't you explain that process? How do they capture them? How
0: do they list those failures out? Yeah, we have a nice two by two matrix. Um, and you kind of just jot down some notes. Uh, it's really a reflection. So if I could also take a step back before answering this question, uh, when it, when it comes to leadership, leadership, it's core. Um, and we talked about my wife earlier uh, and, you know, she does succession planning for, you know, the top fortune 50 companies. And and she's assessed over a thousand potential CEO candidates. And when her and I discuss things, it's very clear that all she cares about when she does a four hour assessment of a potential leader of a fortune four company that she's really just assessing for self-awareness. And so mean, yeah, you just are you in p- touch
1: with your own emotions, limitations? Yeah. I mean, it's
0: just crazy. Yeah, yeah you're right. And, and she has a PhD in clinical psychology, and she's been in the in the field for you know 20 years. And and so it was really interesting to come to the fact that successful leaders are just self-aware leaders and they're humble. I
1: mean, it just goes on that they have a certain degree of humility where they're self-aware of their shortcomings. I mean, it just, so you get someone who knows it all and all they do is sell, you know what I mean? Like they're, they're they're not even self-aware enough or knowledgeable enough to understand that is not what top leaders are looking for. They're looking for humility Um, because humility means they're coachable and they'll grow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. And they're listening to, they're self-aware of how they're impacting others and how people perceive them and how people understand them. And so if we go through this failure resume, it'll hopefully help you understand yourself a lot better and why you behave certain ways and why you react to certain ways negatively. You know, why, like what Brian was saying, you shy away from certain things or you only do certain, you limit yourself and, that self-awareness grows immensely as I mean, we're, we'll get to the, how we grow from this, but just the, your circle of self-awareness becomes so much larger as you go through all the things that have impacted you emotionally and where those emotions come from and being self-aware of those emotions. And they come from these, what I would call these like critical incidents or these like you could call them traumatic events, or you can call them like, you know, deep experienced emotional kind of negative experience. So those categories, you can easily say, okay, you know, if you're younger, you could definitely say school, um, you know, relationships, sports, uh, work, uh, family, Uh, try and keep them to four. You know, you pick four. I, I believe that, you know, athletes usually have sports, you know, when they're younger is their number one failure. Um, and then people as they get older, uh, you know, a a career moment Mm -hmm. that really defined them. Um, and then everyone has like a school failure, uh, that really defined them. Um, And then, you know, I think I think this one is the tough one. Right. And that, you know, that deals with the heart. And, you know, I've I've read perhaps a thousand of these failure resumes and the ones that are most like painful to read are the relationship ones where like, you know, I thought this person loved me. You know, I thought this person cared about me and then. It, you know, the whole world doesn't love me, the whole world I can't trust. And so, you know, it, you, you have these deep assumptions about other people and, and how they'll treat you and love you and, and take care of you because words were spoken. And then, you know, somehow that changed. And so your emotions change with that, right? And so part of the failure resume, and we'll get to this, is we want to have behavioral change. The whole point of the failure resume is so that at the end of this, that we can create real behavioral change towards opportunities and get excited about opportunities and get excited about growth and learning and expanding our horizons. And the only way to do that is to reframe the term failure and reframe the term learning and reframe the term growth, all to mean kind of one thing. So eventually, you know, um, growth and failure will equal the same thing. Right. And so. In my mind, if you can go deep in your failure resume and start with kind of the romantic side, the relationship side and delve into that deeply and how your heart was treated and then do the other ones after. Uh, I think once you open up that heart and the emotions there, you'll see that you'll, you'll, everything will start to like flow. Right. So true, man. I
1: mean, so true. I mean, that's uh, some areas that you always put in or that we always put in in coaching. um, You know, family relationships is a big one. Working career is a big one. Your spiritual uh, aspects are big ones too with religion you know. however you find spiritual peace. Physical, like diet, fitness, things like that. You said athletics, same idea. Those areas are real common, but you pick your four, right? You pick yeah. your four. Yeah. And I do agree with you because the matters of the heart, I cannot tell you in the work, in, in my past, how many people blame personal trauma on work?
0: You mm. know what I'm
1: saying? Like I'm getting a divorce. It's work's fault. I'm having trouble with my kid in school. It's work's fault. All of a sudden, because it's so much easier to blame it on the man. It is. When the real problem, because you can blame it on something else rather than your own part in a relationship. It's so much easier to not feel that shame, to not feel that sadness, to not take it and own it and do something about it. Where's the natural place to shift it? A common enemy. Work. And... And so I guess this could be self-serving to you as a leader. It could be viewed that way, that you're getting them off you and back onto where it needs to be. But that's not the point. You're trying to get them through the root core of the problem. So they're actually going to start limiting themselves in their career because of things that are happening in their personal life. And they're making bad decisions. They're taking the wrong turns. You know, we're guiding. So I agree. Start because they almost always start there. It almost always starts there. It starts with those relationships. So I, I think that that is, you and I hadn't talked about that, but you a light bulb went off there. Like, you're right. Yeah, you that know. was amazing. Yeah, you
0: what see? you just said was amazing. Like, literally amazing what you just said. Do
1: you know how hard it is to tell somebody that works for you that, oh, by the way, you're bringing your stuff at home into work. That is a very delicate thing to say and continue working with them with a trust based relationship going forward. Mm. So you have to be very delicate with a with a series of questions so that you come from curiosity and have them hopefully bring that up. And that can that's tough to do unless you have a failure resume. You know what I mean? And that's uh, that could be the trick. That is the trick and I say you insist they start there. You know, you don't necessarily need to tell them why, but start there and maybe finish there. Go back and review
0: that one at the end. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Grow from that. Grow from that. Right. Well, you have to, you have to tap into your heart to tap into the emotions because I mean, not to get spiritual, since you mentioned spiritual, like you, you want to be able to give love. You want to be able to share love. You want to be able to give yourself and express yourself. And I think that's where intrinsic motivation comes from is the ability to give um, love and of yourself. And so that's kind of the spiritual side because that that's how you build trust and kind of grow relationships, right is to have that access to those loving emotions, to give others, and then what you find is you find that's very attractive, right? And that's that's where you build those relationships from. And if you can't access that, you're probably just getting into arguments with everybody. Right. And that's the difference to me between a
1: leader and a manager. You know, a manager, they follow you because they have to. A leader, they want to follow you. And, and you always wonder, what what makes this person a leader? They're able to connect with people on that emotional level. That's a different place and actually really get vulnerable and evidence they care and evidence that, that, that they have this vested income, and they're willing to do to go to this place with you. Uh, you wonder why some people just act like the Pied Piper. It's because they are they are not arrogant. They are humble, and they will get down into the into the problems the people they work with, and really try to help them. Um, and they have empathy towards their feelings. That that is, uh, you know, that's not sissy stuff. That's that's really smart stuff, uh, is what that is. Um, so I love it. Okay. Finally, the steps. Yeah. Okay, yeah. there's a, to me there's five or six steps here that, okay. you, that you put through on a failure resume, and I think we've actually elaborated on a lot of them here, so we can probably move them. But the first one is capturing your failures and how we do that. Right. Um, so what do you, what do you do with your people
0: to help them capture their failures? Um. Well, we talk about failure. One of the things that I want them to do is realize that what we want to do is reframe failure. So when you capture your failures, you know that the goal is to reframe them to something that can create growth and a positive mindset and that you can learn from uh, and become a more self-aware person and, 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 and take it to the next level. So don't go into the failure resume thinking like don't talk about things that are just going to beat you up or be super negative or make you depressed. So pick things that you could say, okay, I really want to reinterpret this. I really want to grow from this. I think I missed a lesson here and then go into those. So that, and it's nice to break it up into four categories like we mentioned before. Now, all of that being said, the you're trying to set yourself up to understand that you're trying to reframe failure. So what I like to do is I like to watch some Sarah Blakely videos on failure. Um, and what triggered all of this for me was Sarah Blakely, you know, because I was having a tough time with my entrepreneurship students and they refused to take that leap forward. No matter how good their idea is or how passionate they were with their idea, they could never be decisive enough to move forward with their idea in the entrepreneurship, in the MBA entrepreneurship class. And they're always too scared, right? And and I was like, Well, you have everything lined up, you spent 16 weeks creating this, you know, the a minimal minimal viable product on this uh on this idea, and you have a team. Why haven't you moved forward? And it was very clear that some people could move forward, and there were very few, and everybody else could never move forward on a startup in entrepreneurship. And this went on for maybe Brian, 10 years where I couldn't figure out why I was wasting my time teaching entrepreneurship courses. You know, and these were very talented MBA students. And um and then Sarah Blakely came into my life and and she is a normal person she is a c student she got a communications degree there's nothing special about her except that she's one of you know four or five female billionaires and i was like okay i'm i'm a business i'm a management professor i'm a business professor how can somebody be so normal you know everything she did was normal c student average school communications degree and uh you know communications degree to me means i don't want to take calculus you know you know i'm scared of math right right? right. and so i'm i'm going through this and i spent months and months trying to figure out how this ordinary person is one of like four female billionaires in the united states which is so rare and then i heard her interview that her dad came home, when they came home from school, her dad asked them what they failed at today. And I was like, what? Every day that Sarah Blakely came home, her dad goes, what did you fail at today? And then every, you know, all the kids had to say, you know, I failed at this. And then the moment they mentioned what they failed at, the dad would give them a high five and celebrate like their failure. And if you do this from a young age all the way up till you're in your 20s and your dad just sell, and if and if you have nothing to sell if you have nothing to celebrate, the dad would be disappointed and he would say, well, you didn't try anything today. I love it. And he was really disappointed in Sarah. And so Sarah would always come up with something every day to try and fail at so she could get the adoration of her father. Because he would only celebrate failure at home.
1: That is amazing.
0: I, I bet you people didn't think they were getting parenting
1: advice today. That's good <laughs> stuff. I love it. I'm doing that with my kids. Like today, it's, a,
0: it's amazing. And and so I'm thinking that one thing is the reason why she's a billionaire. Yeah. And if you study how she went with some very basic spanks, um you know, minimal viable product, that first iteration of a space. She went to North Carolina. She was a Xerox salesperson. She would go door to door selling Xerox. And she had this little idea uh, about body forming, um, you know, clothes and uh, underwear. And so she went to North Carolina and she went and she talked to every single person that would make, you know, textile company in North Carolina that would make it, And they all laughed at her face. Literally, they were like, we take orders of millions. Like, you want us to make 20 of these? We can't do that for you. And But she talked to every single one of them. And they all looked at her like she was crazy, embarrassing. And she went home. And then two months later, one of the guys called of of this large manufacturing company, textile company. And he said, I'll do it for you. And she said, why? And he said, well, I've got two daughters of my own. And I was just thinking, what if one of my daughters was going to ask me for help? And he just, we'd have dinner with his daughters and he just said, you know what? Like this woman came to me and asked for help and I said no to her and I feel bad about it because what if it was my own daughter that I said no to? Yeah. And so that's how it got, that's how it got going. And then no your courage,
1: later, you rewarded courage. He encouraged them to make mistakes, to fail, to go yeah. forward sloppy. Just
0: go. Go for, go forward and just talk to people. Um, and then years later, this also had a huge impact on me. Years later, um, she got her uh, Spanx into Nordstroms, okay. and that was the reason why she became hugely successful was her initial in at Nordstrom's and she went to a conference like a big you know like SC, you know like computer science conference you know basically we're all the and there were there's this, this pe- people came to her and they were like we have spent ten thousand dollars the last five years in a row creating a booth for our product at this convention conference convention and Nordstrom's has never came up to us and you imagine it, for five years in a row, this company has spent $10,000 a year going to this convention conference, trying to get Nordstrom's to be interested in. And they keep, you know, putting more money and, and time into it. So Nordstrom would come into them. So they asked her, they go, Sarah, how did you get Nordstrom to buy your product? And she goes, I went to my local Nordstrom store and I tried to sell them the product. And they laughed at me. They were like, we don't do that you got to go to headquarters in Dallas. They do all the, you know, buying. That's where the buyers are. And so they laughed at it again. And she was like, well, can you give me the number of, of the guys there? And they were like, okay. And so she ended up talking to a manager and getting a number in Dallas. And then she ended up getting, you know, she sent some samples that the guy from North Carolina created and they put some samples up and it sold well. And then she went to Nordstrom's and then she did a big sale and Eventually, everything worked out well, and that led to a billion-dollar company. But there's a key distinction between the people that spent five years spending $10,000 a year at this convention trying to get them attracted, Nordstrom walk up to them, and what Sarah Blakely did, which is just you know sloppy, right. go in to your local Nordstrom's, try to sell them, it doesn't work, find the person that will, build relationships – find somebody in the Dallas headquarters, build relationships, try it out at a local store. You know, like, you know, so don't wait for people to come up to you, you know, and and, you know, choose you, right? So part of the failure resume and getting through this kind of positivist, you know, psych, positive psychology perspective is that Sarah Blakely didn't care about any of this stuff. She wanted something and she just went and talked to people and she wasn't, and she learned from every moment about who else to talk to, who next to talk to develop that relationship. And I think my inspiration was Sarah Blakely in this whole process because yeah,
1: I think that's great. I, I think that that's, I mean, is there a better example to refer to people to and a model that you can do you know, with, with the people you care where you're always asking that question, encouraging your people, your family, your kids to fail forward by always asking, did they fail? And if they didn't fail at anything, did you really contribute to your growth, your personal growth today as much as you could have? Um, I think that's amazing. Like you didn't get uncomfortable at all. If you yeah. said, no, I didn't fail at anything. Oh, it just sounds like you stayed in the comfort zone all day long. You know, that's uh... okay. So let me, let me break this down in the interest of time here. There are a few key concepts, right? And and these are rides concepts, but I'm going to read them. Okay. Um, number one, we got to capture your fails, failures, right? So we want to list out at least 10 failures that we've had, whether it was today or this week or this year, you know, depending on your relationship with this person and we want to list them all out before we delve into any of them too much deep, too deeply. Right. And again, you pick the categories that we want them to, to, to think about, to get their mind moving. Right. Um, and I think it's also important that for each of those, once they've got this list, they've got to describe the situation in just a few sentences, just put it in context for us. Right. What happened? Right, brief and easy, but clear. We don't need to test their writing skills. We don't need to test, you know, how deep they're willing to go here. We just need to get a general understanding in a few sentences. Um, is that correct? Am I? You jump in anytime, right? If I, if yeah, I, I.
0: You know, some people can get it done in a paragraph, and some people write a whole page and just let them flow. So okay. good, let them flow. Okay, so we capture the failures. We get yeah. their context and
1: happenings together. And then the core part is the reflection and learning. We got to have them reflect and learn, right? And this is where they're going to really hopefully flow and go in deep if they didn't the first time around, right? Like, and 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 to help them guide them. How, you know, what did it teach you, if anything? How did it shape you? Like, what are you gonna, you know, this could be a negative thing too, right? Like, no, I'm never doing that again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, did they gain anything from it? Yeah. Did they get some skills, any new insights, you know, um, or ways they can apply them in their job, in their career or those other areas that, we, you know, of their life that we're trying to do. So we capture the failures one, we, 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 we have them explain the context and happenings. And then we reflect and learn and go a little bit deeper. And then, as we said before, step four is we're going to organize it into those categories, whether it's physical, spiritual, work, career, family relationships, you name it. We like to start with those family and relationships and put our most emphasis there first, because it tends to open up everything else. Um, And we do that hard work first, right? So we organize it. Then number five, we're going to be creative, okay? Okay. To explain that, this is kind of neat. Use colors, fonts, images, or other design elements to reframe their perspective.
0: Yeah. How how do you how how do you do that? Well, reframing is is an art, right? And it's a creative process and it's and it's a spiritual process. And so uh, expanding your mind is the reframing part because we got hurt and we're hurt and we now have to rethink about why did we get hurt? Um, Maybe we misinterpreted the situation. Uh, Maybe we mismanaged our expectations. Maybe we didn't learn the lesson we wanted to actually learn. Uh, Maybe somebody told us something negative about ourselves, you know, uh, that we need to say, is that true, right? And if it's not true, try to find other experiences that show that it isn't true. So in essence, being creative with, with colors of art and, you know, drawing it out or doing all these things allows you to see it different.
1: I like it. Yeah. It could even be audio, right. It could just be dictating. I mean, just, you know, shoot, you know, whatever you need to communicate uh, yeah. I think is the idea. Cause the point is to do the work. It's not really how they do the work yeah
0: um, i mean in this age you could even have chat gpt you know reframe it for you you know you could say okay here's my failure you know did i miss a lesson could it be reframed a different way and see if chat GPT can come up with a solution
1: there, i like it you just stick like a usb thumb drive like up your nose and see what happens the um the <laughs> Rod, you're you're in my world now. The uh, so um, it's a strong visual. That's all. Uh, yeah, I, and I think I think also I, I like this number six. All right, so I'm going to go back and read them again. Capture your fails, put them in the context and happenings, reflect and learn on them, organize them into categorized categories. Be creative, and then we're going to talk. And this one, we're going to skip some if necessary. Right? If it gets too deep. You know, or it gets too touchy. You know, there are professionals, professional psychiatrists, yeah. psych, you know, psychologists. Yeah. Um, we probably don't want to get into too tender of an area if it start. You know, if it starts to feel a little bit dangerous for for us or them, yeah. right? Yeah. And it may stop the whole process where they could do a lot of. Good productive work in other less sensitive areas. If we just leave that one alone for now, um, so skip one if it gets too rough, and that's okay. We don't, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna again, it's a failure resume and we're trying to fail forward. So if we don't solve yeah. all our problems at once, we're okay. Okay. Right. And then lastly, you actually help relate to them by sharing some of your own examples. So, and, and I would get, you know, if I were you, I would get into my personal relationships because that's the hardest place for people to go and it's where most problems are. So try to find some, some places you're comfortable sharing so you get vulnerable and let them know it's okay to get that vulnerable too. So going into those areas where you share your own examples to open up the door and give them a green light to do the same. So maybe you share one of yours from work, one of yours from your your uh, your personal relationships, one of yours from your one, one of your failures and, and how that impacted you from your physical fitness efforts or, or spiritual endeavors or what have you. Yeah. Um, I really like that. Uh, you know, I think that's a real important one too. Um, because if they're the one that has to be the pioneer and jump out here and, and, and it makes it even harder if they don't see someone else go first. So
0: let that be you, let that be. you. So one of the things I do to be vulnerable in the classroom to kind of get this going is I stand in front of, in my MBA class, maybe 30, 40 students. And I stand up and I go, I'm deeply insecure. And then I'll say something even more intense. I'll say, I'm deeply, 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 deeply insecure. So why am I smiling? And I'll smile. And the students will come up with a bunch of stuff. And then eventually one student will say, well, because you know, you're aware that we're all insecure. And I said, that's right. I'm deeply insecure, no matter how insecure I am, I know everyone here is also deeply insecure about something, right? So in that vulnerability, I could then say, like, I have failed just like everyone else has failed. Um And, you know, here's a good example of, you know, a company that I started out of college that didn't go well or a relationship that, um you know, failed for this particular reason. And it hurt a lot. Um, but then you also have to just recognize that, you know, parents believe that their kid who's struggling to learn to walk is never going to walk. And I always believe that the fear that a parent has when they have a young child that is struggling to learn to walk, I always say eventually every kid learns to walk. Like there's no kid, there's no adult crawling in the world, Right. right? Right. So what the beauty of this is, the pain and the struggle and the time and the commitment it takes to learn to walk is a very vulnerable process. And parents might feel like there's something wrong with their kid, but we all kind of go through that process. And so if we can take our failure resume and be vulnerable with it and just say, did we give ourselves enough time to grow to learn to walk to learn about these emotions to learn about relationships or did we withdraw and give up because babies don't withdraw and give up or infants don't withdraw and give right. up learning to walk so and we don't give far- up on them we don't we're patient with them
1: yeah you know we, we don't we don't put them on the street you go baby you didn't cut the you didn't you didn't cut the mustard i'm going to assess you you know, you're not walking fast enough. You're never going to be an outside linebacker for the USC Trojans at this rate. I'm going to try again with somebody else. You know, just make your way down the street, little toddler. You know, <laughs>
0: you know. <laughs> never happened.
1: Yeah. And, it, you know, and that it's that type of trust. That's why I think patience with this process is key. Don't expect it to solve everything. We're starting the conversation And quite frankly, this is great leadership content for you as a leader to continue to to help this person grow. And it's a way you add value continuously over time. So don't don't be in such a rush to solve the problems. Um, Let them take time. Let them take time. They'll keep coming back and they'll keep want to follow the Pied Piper if you're continuously helping people. You know, I think it's I think it's just phenomenal. And Rod, right, I mean, this is yes. unbelievable stuff, um, as usual that you create, um, and um, and it's just an amazing tool that my coaches and my consultants are just going to, you know, continue to be able to use and 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 work with on their people and help our leaders um, that we work with help their people as well too. So um, this is just an amazing creation for this world. Um, to keep giving and helping and and helping us grow as an entire community. So thank you for everything you do, Rod. I appreciate it. And uh, and uh, and thank you for letting me share you with my people. Oh, a uh, pleasure to be all, all mine, Brian. All right, Rod, take care, man. And uh, for the rest of you, we will see you on the next show. Thank you for your time with us. Thanks for listening to the Brian Eisenhower podcast. You can learn more about ICC at eisenhowercoaching.com. That's I-C-E-N-H-O-W-E-R.com. You can also enroll in one of our many online courses at icconlinelearningcenter.com. That's icconlinelearningcenter.com where you'll find the most expansive real estate training library in the industry. We also offer custom training portals for real estate teams and brokerages looking to give all of their agents access to our expansive course list of courses and training systems. Some companies even take it one step further by purchasing versions of our courses and systems that are white label branded to their specific real estate organizations. Also be sure to subscribe to Eisenhower Coaching's YouTube channel to watch new video content that we put out each and every week. And again, be sure to join the fastest growing Facebook group for top performing real estate professionals by searching for the Real Estate Agent Roundtable Group. With all of that said, thank you again for joining us today and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Brian Eisenhower podcast.